Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. It's a good morning to be here for so many different reasons. Um, in our production meeting, just as we came into the presence of the Lord and we praised him for who he is and the privileges that we have in this country um, and the freedom that we have, I think it's becoming more and more obvious um, that that is not to be taken for granted. And so that's one of the many reasons it's a good reason to be in church this morning is because we have that freedom to come together into the presence of the Lord and just be with one another in community, but also to be in his presence in a, in a public way. Um, and so many people don't get that freedom. So welcome. If you're new here, um, my name is Katie Simbersky, and so our church is structured differently. Um, the Lord has called us to have a leadership team, a vision team, and a teaching team, and I'm on the teaching team. And so there's several of us. Um, it's grown quite a bit since I've joined the team, and it's really cool to watch. Um, there's several of us on the team, and so this is none of us are full-time um, preachers and teachers. This is nobody's vocation in this church. We're all called to different things, but we're also called to preach and teach God's word. And so next to being a mom and a wife, this is one of my very favorite things that I get to do. Um, and it is an honor and a privilege to be used by the Lord in this way. And I know I speak for myself and anyone else on this team that we do not take it lightly and we do not take it for granted. And there are hours of preparation and prayer that each one of us put in. And I was struggling this week um, as I was preparing to preach. The Lord gave me this word about two months ago. And I was struggling with the, my flesh side of things, just not having the time that I wanted. Um, I spent about like five weeks off and on sick. And then my husband worked his work schedule around me preaching. So even though he has to work today, um, the only way he gets to be here is if we pull the fire alarm. So don't do that. <laughs> or do that. Could he? Right? It's not illegal, Jared. You're, it's an accident. It's happened before. <laughs> um, but he would get to come, I guess, if we did that. But so he worked yesterday and today. And so he worked his schedule out so that earlier in the week I would have time to prepare. But the enemy caused him to be sick for three days. And there was absolutely, like, he did not get off our couch besides when I made him eat. <laughs> um, and so the time that I thought I had set aside to prepare for this was non-existent. And I was really frustrated, um, and I was really upset, and I started to give in and believe the lies of the enemy that I'm not qualified to do this, I'm a procrastinator, just on and on and on. And I was like, Lord, why have the weeks leading up to this been so hard? And I think I was giving the enemy more credit than he deserved instead of fixing my eyes on Jesus and letting him fill me up. And so last Friday before Thomas was sick, I was laid in my bed and I was just so frustrated. I've, I had felt like crap for weeks. And I was like, Jesus, what, like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm emptying you out to fill you with me. And I was like, 
but I don't like it's exhausting it's exhausting to like be broken down so much and I was like I'm like I'm tired of it and he just kept reminding me of that and there had been times this week that I I lost sight of that that he was filling me up that even though I was so worn out and tired that he was filling me up and so I don't say this as like I'm better than anybody else but it is only Jesus that I can stand before you today and deliver the word that he's given me because and thinking about it last night I was brought to tears I'm like Lord to be able to deliver this word this burden and not like a bad burden but just carrying it for for months and to be able to deliver it like that feels like a relief to me that feels like a, a fresh a breath of fresh air and Chris you shared something on Instagram and I was like yeah, my obedience to deliver this word, that's where new breakthrough, more breakthrough is happening in my life. And thank you, Jesus, for that. <coughs> so I think we need to, this is even part of my message, but we need to stop giving the enemy so much credit for the things that are happening in our life. And we need to re, re, uh, redirect our gaze and fix our eyes on Jesus. And yeah, these these burdens and these heavy things that we carry and the exhaustion like that that's hard and it sucks but when we fix our eyes on Jesus we get a different perspective of it and i love where he's taking us today in revelation and we're going to dive into chapters 7 and 14 in just a minute but first is J- yep he's here jason stand on up he delivered a phenomenal message i cannot even begin to recap for you Yeah. Thank you. Um, I was in tears in my seat last week because about two years ago, you and Sylvie's first time in church, I was preaching. And to look at you and the passion and the fire that you have for the Lord and where he brought you that first day that you stepped foot in this church to now is incredible. And you are so gifted, and it is an honor to sit on the team with you, but also to sit under your teaching. And I can't even begin to recap his message, so if you missed it, please go listen to the podcast, because he talked about, like, different passions that, like, all levels of passions we all have, and I can't, like, begin to match that. Like, I have my own, but I will not do it justice recapping. So, well done, and I am so proud of you. And please go listen to the podcast, even if you were here. It is worth re-listening to. So we are going to move around a little bit today because like we've said before, Revelation doesn't really go in order. So we're starting in chapter 14 in verse 6. (coughs) And then we'll hop back and forth from there. So chapter 14, verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying high overhead with the eternal gospel to announce to the inhabitants of the earth. To every nation, tribe, language, and people, he spoke with a loud voice, fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship the one who has made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of judgment has come. Last weekend, er, Jason talked about the judgment and the seals, and I believe that reading this, this angel is sending us out a final warning. And it was for the people, 
that it was written to then, but it's for us now. And we need to come face to face to this over and over again, this warning. Fear God and give him glory because the hour of judgment has come. And we need these reminders because we get so distracted and caught up in the things around us that we lose sight of what it means to actually fear the Lord. And Phil, a couple of weeks ago, you talked about how we think the God of the First Testament is so different than the God we know now. That we no longer think that he is wrathful and to be feared, but just someone who gives us grace and is to be loved. But all throughout scripture, the fear of the Lord is woven into it. It says it over and over again. I was reading so many different verses about the fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy 10, 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? This is actually something that I pray over my sons daily, that they would know the Lord, that they would fear him, that they would love him with all their heart and all their soul, that they would serve him. Proverbs 28, 14, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always. And I think it's crazy that when we fear the Lord, we receive something. Because he doesn't owe us anything. But when we fear the Lord, we are blessed. When we fear the Lord, we receive wisdom. Exodus 20, 20, Moses had just received the Ten Commandments, and the people see lightning and hear thunder, and they hear a trumpet, and the mountain is smoking, and they're trembling, and they're afraid, like really afraid. And Moses says to the people, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. So not only does the fear of the Lord bring wisdom and blessing, it keeps us in check. It keeps us in line. It keeps us out of cycles of sin. And not because we're afraid that we think and we have to have it perfect, but because he deserves it. Because he knows full well we'll never get it right. That's why he sent Jesus. Jeremiah 32, 37 through 41. I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banish them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that they will then go well and that all will go well for them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing good and I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. What a promise that is. That the fear of the Lord will go from generation to generation. That your honor and respect for the Lord will flow down into your children. And it might not feel like that right now. Like I have a nine-year-old and he doesn't, like he gets it. Or my two-year-old, that's a better one. Like he, he doesn't understand it. But it starts with me and it flows down. It starts with my husband and I and it flows down for generation to generation. And that's a beautiful promise. 
And a couple weeks ago, I, or a few weeks ago, I talked about sides and choosing sides. And I think we, we have an idea of the side that we've chosen, but our actions reflect something different. Like, yeah, we're like, yeah, God, we've, we, we're on your team. Let's go. But our actions reflect something different because we've lost the fear of the Lord. We have taken him out of his holy place and we've replaced it with the fear of man because we care too much what other people think. And it's keeping us from deep intimacy with him. To fear the Lord, it keeps our lives in line with him. It keeps us on the right track. It's not... It's not this, the, this fear that we're supposed to be so afraid of him that we can't move forward. It's a fear that keeps us in line with him, that keeps our hearts tethered to him, that we have, would have such a great respect and honor for him that our, that our lives are devoted to him, that we would only be in his will for what our lives should look like. And again, not only does he deserve it, but we benefit from it. You benefit from keeping God in his holy place. And so we bind and rebuke this fear of man today in the name of Jesus. Because if you think you are immune to it, you are not. Because at some point or another, we all care about what other people think. And that's what honestly keep, makes us sin. And we have to put him back in his holy place. Because he, he deserves it. And, and we benefit from it. And everything in our life flows from that place where he is in the highest place in your life. He deserves all the honor and all the glory and all the praise. And we can say that we know him, but never experience that deep intimacy with him because we care too much what everyone else thinks. Or we are so distracted by the world that he is, that we don't have him in this high place of honor. And I'm just as guilty of that. I'm easily distracted. My phone is one of the biggest, one of my biggest distractions or control. Like that's where I was struggling the last few weeks because I was frustrated that I didn't have control over my situation. And I actually thought about the crab from Moana that has like all this shiny stuff on it. And that's like the world and the enemy because we're like the fish. He just eats the fish because they're drawn to all the shiny things. And that's us. We are so distracted and consumed by the things of this world that our gaze is easily taken off of the throne, off of God and his holy place of honor. And we, we fall right into the traps. We fall right into sin. And so what does it look like for us to keep our gaze fixed on him? Like I said earlier, it means that we don't give the enemy credit. Jesus is the only one that deserves the credit, the honor, the glory, and the praise. Right? You were created for your creator. You were created to bring him glory. And sometimes our lives can feel purposeless here on earth. Like we want to be doing X, Y, Z, and we don't know how to get there. And we don't know what we should be doing with our life. And if all that you do with your life is bring God glory, that is more than enough. Because that is all that he asks of you. If you 
follow Jesus, if you love him with all your heart, with all your mind, and all your soul, that is enough. And the world tells you, you have to do all these things. You have to have so many followers on Instagram. Your home has to look like this. Your kids have to act this way. No. If all you do with your life is devote it fully to Jesus, bring him honor and glory and praise, that is enough. And we've lost sight of that because it's not enough for us. Because we're distracted and we're consumed by so many other things. And I think that we've, we don't stop now. We're going to get to a place where spending eternity with him is not enough for us. Worshiping for him for eternity is not going to be enough if we do not get our hearts back on track, if our focus is not on him, if we don't take the fear of man in the world out of a place where it does not deserve to be and put God back in his holy place and start honoring and respecting him and bringing him glory and praise in everything that we do. Psalm 1110. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and we have to act like it now because our time here is short. But not only does that mean our time is short, that means the enemy's time with you is short. Praise God for that. But the more we replace him with something else, the more we, we give into the schemes and the traps and the lies and we don't equip ourselves with wisdom and truth that comes from knowing him and that holy fear, the more foothold we give the enemy in our lives. And we have a job to do. That's to bring him glory and to make him disciples, to model our lives and our hearts after Jesus. Because there is so much more waiting for us in eternity. We get to fill the throne room with worship for eternity. <clears throat> Chapter 7. Starting in, starting in verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, restraining the four winds of the earth, so that no wind could blow on the earth or on the sea or any tree. Then I saw another angel rising up from the east who had the seal of the living God. He cried out in a loud voice to the four angels who were allowed to harm the earth and the sea. Don't harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we seal the servants of our God on their foreheads. Jumping down to verse 9. After this, I looked and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people and language which no one could number standing before the throne and before the lamb they were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a long voice salvation belongs to our god who is seated on the throne and to the lamb all the angels stood around the throne along with the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down face they fell face down before the throne and worshiping god saying Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
Then one of the elders asked me, who are these people in white robes and where did they come from? I said to him, sir, you know. Then he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and they serve him day and night in his temple. The ones seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to the springs of waters of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Going to chapter 14, verse 1. Then I looked, and there was a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were the 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. I heard a sound from heaven like the sound of cascading waters and like the rumbling of loud thunder. The sound I heard was like a harpist playing on their harps. They sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, but no one could learn the song except for the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who have not defiled themselves with women since they remained virgins. They're the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were redeemed from humanity as the first fruits of God and the lamb. No lie was found in their mouth, and they were blameless. There's a lot there to break down. But first, we're going to start with 144,000. Because it's not a specific number. Because I think if only 144,000 people got to do this, a lot of us would throw the towel in and walk away from Jesus. So, like we've said in week past, we don't hold on to the actual value of the number. It's a symbol, and it's imagery that keeps us engaged, and it moves us. <clears throat> and I'm pretty bad at math. But I know that's not a big number. And it actually represents completeness. 12 times 12 times 1,000, or 12 times 12 is 10 times 10, and you add them together. Something like that. <laughs> I home educate my son, but he does online math. And he tested in the fifth grade math, and he's in fourth grade. I'm like, you go, bro. I'm not going to be able to help you in a few weeks. Watch those videos. It represents completeness. And God raising up his sons and daughters in his likeness to carry his full image. And actually, in chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And here it actually doesn't say like 144,000 people. And in the Greek construction of this, it actually refers um, to the 144,000 as lambs. So it's the people in it before the lamb. So lambs before the lamb. So it's the people who are reflecting the likeness of God and will stand before the throne. And not only stand before the throne of God, but you get to stand before the four creatures and the 24 elders. So these, they're held in a high regard in God's eyes, but we get to stand before them. 
and we get to sing a new song. And it's a beautiful song that has never been heard before. But it's written on the hearts of those who love him. And that's why the fear of the Lord is important because the fear of the Lord leads us into this place of worship. Like if we take God out of his holy place, then I don't think we're going to be included in this, in this 144,000, in this, in this multitude of people that get to be before the throne of God and singing a song because they fear the Lord and they want to be in his presence. They have such high honor and respect for the Lord that they're going to spend eternity singing a new and beautiful song that has never been heard before to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I don't want to miss out on that. Like, that's extreme FOMO. (laughs) Right? To, like, know that I didn't, yeah, I know Jesus, but I didn't hold him in the highest regard in my life. Because we know, I know a lot of people. Like I know Heather, I know Peyton, I know Leah. But sorry, no, I'm not getting to heaven because of any of you. Like I know you and I love you. But I can't hold a person in highest regard. And we do that. We do that with, with spouses. We do that with friends. And we care more what they think that we will hold them in a high regard. And guess what? At the end of the day, they are not the person who went and died on the cross for you. At the end of the day, they are not the person that you are going to stand before for the rest of eternity and face judgment. And you're either going to sing a song to God or you're not. You either have that song written on your heart and you get to sing it before him forever and ever and ever or you're not. And we are missing it. We are missing it, and we can't keep doing that. That's why that warning is there for us. Fear God and give him glory, because judgment is coming. So get it right now. And we have to keep reminding ourselves of that. Going to verse, chapter 14, verse 4. These are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they remained virgins. They followed the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and to the lamb. No lie was found in their mouths, and they were blameless. There's more imagery here, and it's actually a lot to unpack. But throughout Revelation, there's distinguishing marks of the lamb's people. And so I would challenge you to actually um, this week go in to these verses in chapter 14 and just let the, let the Lord speak to you there because he's not talking about just people who remained virgins because a vast majority of us would not get to be there. That's a sidebar. And it has actually a deeper, a deeper meaning than what um, we have time for today. But he's saying God's people will not be defiled with the things of this world. And we will stay in true intimacy with Jesus. Jesus. 
the mark of the Lamb's people are ones who have given themselves to Jesus wholeheartedly. And they are blameless, not because they are perfect and did everything right, but because they knew of their need for a Savior and they repented. Heidi, you said it beautifully in our girls' small group this week at Collective. Like when you repent and you turn from sin, it is wiped clean. You are blameless. And it is not by your own merit, but it is only by Jesus that we get that. Your transgressions are wiped out. You are whole and you are clean in the presence of Jesus because of his blood. And instead we cling to shame and we cling to guilt and we do not believe that we are worthy to sit in the presence of God because of the blood of the lamb. But your transgressions are wiped out. And guess what we get to wear? What these people who have devoted themselves wholeheartedly to Jesus, because it's not, it's not everyone. And that's a hard, like, that's a hard truth to swallow. But the people who are devoted to Jesus wholeheartedly. Verse 7. In chapter, in chapter 7, sorry. Chapter 14. Jumping back and forth gets you a little confused. They were all in glistening white robes, standing before the throne and before the lamb with palm branches. Palm branches actually represent victory. Verse 13, then one of the elders asked me, who are these in glistening white robes and where have they come from? And I answered, my Lord, you must know. And then he said to me, they are the ones who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And it emerged from the midst of the great pressure and ordeal. Glistening white robes. We get glistening white robes, not by our own merit, but because of the blood of the land has made us pure. And it's made us whole, and it's made us clean. And we get to stand before the throne of God, clothed in white. And it's not just any white. It's not like a dull, dingy, white sweater. We get to stand before the throne of God, clothed in all white. And it is glistening. And I think I know it's glistening because we will reflect more of him, his image, being directly in his presence than ever before. Because we get to be in his presence like never before. Glistening white robes. I can only imagine how beautiful that is. And Becca, you hate glitter, but figure it out. I guess it, it says glistening, not glittery. But it's going to be bright and beautiful. Makes me think, oh, I care a whole lot less about what I'm here wearing here. Because what's reserved for me in heaven? Chapter 14, verse 6 again. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had an eternal gospel to proclaim, proclaim to those who live on earth. 
to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of judgment has come. Worship him who has made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the springs of water. He's proclaiming the eternal gospel. That's it. The eternal gospel. That means that when we give our hearts to Jesus, it doesn't stop there. That means Jesus' death and resurrection goes on for eternity. It means we get to stand before the throne of God and sing a song just for him. And all of these things are reserved for us in eternity because of the death of Jesus. Because he loved us so much that he came to earth and he chose to die for you and for me so that we could stand before the throne of God in glistening white robes and spend eternity worshiping him. That is the eternal gospel. But we have to start living our lives like this eternal gospel is ours. Because if you're half in, you're not going to get it. This place that is reserved for a multitude of people from every tribe, nation, tongue. If we're not fully devoted to Jesus, we don't get this special place. And I don't want to miss out. Because fear of the Lord comes first. And so this place of reverence and worship comes with keeping him there first so that we can bring him honor and glory and praise for all of our days. Chapter 7, verse 10. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God. Saying amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are those who have come out of the great tribulation. They withstood the pressure that we experience of this life here on earth. And they stayed focused and fixed on Jesus. They have washed their robes and they made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and his night in his temple. I cannot imagine what that is like. To serve the Lord day and night directly in his presence. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. 
and God will wipe every tear away from their eyes. I want to be in his presence for all eternity. Because it is nothing compared to the presence that his, thankfully we get to experience his presence here on earth. But what is reserved for us in eternity is nothing like what we experience now. But it starts here on earth. If we want to worship him for eternity, it starts now. It starts with holding him in the highest regard in our life. And that takes work. Like it, I'm not saying it's easy to not care what other people think. Because that would be a lie. It's really hard. Because we live in a world that is so consumed. We're so consumed with ourselves. And that's why we care what other people think. Instead of being so consumed by Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us and what he is doing in our lives and that we get to partner with him to bring more of his kingdom here to earth. That he has given us all power and authority to trample the enemy. That we are victorious because of him. Like it starts now. It doesn't start when we die and go to heaven. It starts now. Our lives get to reflect him now. And I think there are people in this room or that will hear this on the podcast and we have to start laying things at his feet. Because we are so consumed that there is no space for Jesus. Our eyes are fixed on everything else around us but they're not fixed on him and we're missing it. But he gives us this warning to fear God and give him glory because the hour of judgment has come and he does not want us to experience that. He loves you, yes, but he is also deservingly an angry and wrathful God whose judgment will come and is coming. But we think that he loves us so much that we don't have to worry about that. He loves you, and that's why he gives you that warning. That's why we have this warning, because he does love us, and he does want to spend eternity with us. He wants us to be at his feet worshiping him, forever and ever and ever, whatever that looks like. But he is not a forceful God, and so he's not going to make you do it. It takes action. Like Dalt said, it takes movement earlier. He desires a relationship with you. He's already pursuing you, but it takes you moving It takes giving up a lot of things to follow Jesus because the way of the world is a lot easier and more comfortable than following Jesus to be wholeheartedly devoted to him. 
to put him in a place of honor and glory and worship and praise and to fear him and to understand that he knows what's best for your life. You do not know what's best. You don't get to be in control as badly as we want to cling to it because it feels good to be in control. But we have to let go. And we just have to be with him. Like, that, that, that's all he wants. He wants to be with you forever. And ever and ever and ever. And he has a special song reserved for us. And I believe it's written on the hearts of those who are fully devoted to him. My, he, he is our shepherd for all eternity. He will lead us for all eternity. Even in the places right now where it feels like you are left and it is dry, he is leading you. Psalm 23, he's leading you beside peaceful streams. And even in eternity, he's going to lead you to springs of living water. He is leading you and guiding you, and it just takes that submission. Just takes being under his authority to have that holy fear of him. To let him lead us to these places where he has so much more for us, not only here on earth, but for all eternity. He has so much more for you. And as I was preparing, I was just in awe of that, that he has so much more for us, far, far more than we can imagine. Like, yes, we get to receive more here on earth, but what's waiting for us in eternity is far better than we could ever imagine. And I think we look at our lives here on earth and we feel like he's missing it, like he's not giving us enough. You have everything that you need. <laughs> All of your wants might not be provided for, but you have everything that you need. You have everything that you need for today and for tomorrow and for all eternity because he is leading you and he is guiding you. And he wants you to come under his authority to respect and honor him for all your days. So Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Lord, We're sorry for when we take you out of the place that you deserve to be. We're sorry that we've, we've missed the mark and we've taken you out of this holy place. And we let the fear of man and distractions from this world take over and keep us from this intimate place that you want to be with us. Not just now, but for all eternity. Jesus, we thank you that we get to worship you for all eternity because even that doesn't feel like enough. Even that doesn't feel like enough because of the price that you paid for us. Even that doesn't feel like enough that we get to be in these glistening white robes for all of eternity because of your blood and your sacrifice for us, Jesus. 
You deserve so much more than what we have to offer, God. But we give you our hearts right now because that's all we have. And that's all you want. You don't expect perfection or performance out of us. You just want our hearts. You just want our presence, God. May that be enough for us today. May we just give all of ourselves to you, Lord, knowing that's enough for you. God, may we live lives that are fully devoted to you to bring you new glory and honor and praise for all of our days here on earth and in heaven because you are worthy of our praise. You do more for us than we can even fathom. And Lord, we're sorry for when we miss the mark, for when we feel like you're not doing enough for us, that you don't, that you're not showing up for us enough. Because you work in the tiniest of details of our life and you care so much for us. Lord, you deserve all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for all of our days, forever and ever and ever. Amen. Continue to lead us, God. Continue to lead us next to those peaceful streams, those waters of life. And God, when we get distracted, may our hearts be so tethered to you that it is quick that we get right back on track. We bind and rebuke any scheme of the enemy, any lie of the enemy that is keeping people in a state of oppression, that is keeping people in a state of unworthiness, that they don't feel like they can come before God and give him glory and honor and praise because of X, Y, and Z. And we send that back to the pit of hell in the name of Jesus. Because every person in this room, you are worthy. You are worthy because of the blood of the lamb and you get to sit before him for all eternity and bring him worship and honor and glory and praise. And that is all that he expects from you. That is all that he needs from you. He just wants your heart. Lord, may we bring you honor and glory and praise for all of our days. Because if that is all that we have to offer you, that is enough. That is enough for you. And you will still love us and pursue us no matter what. Thank you, Jesus. What an honor it is to get to be in your presence. We love you. We love you. And we worship you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.